1: Welcome to all of our podcast listeners, wherever you may be in the world today. This is Steve Schallenberger, your host. We are honored and privileged to have you join us. You wonderful listeners, you inspire us. We have an amazing guest with us today. She is a world-class explorer, professional athlete, acclaimed speaker and author who brings her wilderness wisdom to top trailblazers, to reach the heights of human performance and leadership, business, and life. Welcome, Rebecca Rush.
2: (laughs) Thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
1: It's going to be fun for all of us today. Before we get started, I'm going to explain why. I'll tell you a little bit more about Rebecca. Simultaneous with her record-setting journey as an athlete, Rebecca launched three thriving organizations, Rush Ventures, the Be Good Foundation, and Rebecca's Private Idaho. Can't wait to hear about that. Her award-winning film, Blood Road, inspires evolution through the story of becoming the first person to bike the entire 1,800-kilometer Ho Chi Minh Trail. And it's Rush to Glory, an adventure risk, in amp, triumph on the path less traveled. Rebecca's best selling memoir weaves lessons of grief and failure, the mind body connection, and endurance, perseverance, resilience. Rebecca's powerful framework of speaking engagement centers on human potential, holistic performance, failure as fuel and lessons of endurance, perseverance, and resilience from her years of reflection and work on inner and outer being. She delivers the tools top leaders need to unlock their hidden edge and reach the pinnacle of performance with unbreakable strength, unshakable confidence, and transformational vulnerability. All right, way to go. Let's get right into this, Rebecca. Tell us about your background, including any turning points in your life that's had a significant impact on you.
2: Well, thank you for that amazing introduction. And as you can tell from sort of the accolades, I've been a lifelong athlete in various endurance sports and an entrepreneur in the sports industry, building my own sponsorship model, athlete business, speaker, events, all while competing at the world class level and exploring, really exploring the world. I have a business and marketing degree from college, and I was always drawn to sport as a young kid just for the community and the fitness and the fun. So I looked for work in health clubs. I opened a chain of rock climbing gyms. And really, the first big turning point in my career was actually leaving that inspiring job, what I thought was a dream job of running and opening climbing gyms. It's what I felt I'd studied for, but I realized my path that I needed to be outdoors and I needed to explore more and that four walls weren't the place for me. So I left that job and began traveling for different sports competitions and really being a good athlete was kind of my ticket to travel and see the world. So I kept kind of cashing that ticket in thinking like, okay, one day this will end and I'll have to get a real job. But eventually after that evolved into a lifestyle, a career, and really three decades later, I'm still competing, have crafted a multifaceted sports business around exploring storytelling and now educating people. And there was a second really big turning point that I'm glad you asked about. And that was in 2013 when I did the biggest, most impactful, most important ride of my life down the Ho Chi Minh Trail. That's the film Blood Road. And that journey through Vietnam, Laos and Cambodia was a massive expedition, but really with the goal to go exploring, but to go to the place where my father's plane was shot down during the Vietnam-American conflict. And he died there 45 years before I went there. But going there really helped me hear his words, which were be good. That's how he signed all of his letters home. And I left there with an understanding and a purpose that my career was about a lot more than standing on podiums or the top of a mountain, but instead to help others reach their summit and their mountain. And so that's the point, the turning point where I launched the film, speaking engagements, the Be Good Foundation and still competing and exploring, but now through the lens of helping other people reach
1: their summits. Okay. So tell us about the Be Good Foundation. What is that? And I love it. because You know, that's what we believe. That's what we work on. That's our inspiration, becoming your best. Tell us about that.
2: Yeah. And those words, he signed all of his letters home with the words, be good. And so I took his words to heart and the foundation, we use the bicycle as a catalyst for healing, empowerment, and evolution. So that may be doing bike rides for military to recover from PTSD or bikes in Africa for kids to get to school or trail work in our local community. So it's really using movement and the outdoors and the vehicle of the bicycle to help people in communities heal and evolve. Thank you for asking about that. It's been really fun to combine my work and my passion with my dad's words and then bringing other people into the outdoors and into movement.
1: Well, I already feel connected to you and your dad. So good going. <laughs> I love it. What an inspiration. He must have been an amazing guy.
2: I think he is. You know, a lot of people say that that trip must have been closure, but I actually felt like it was an opening for me to hear his words, to get to know people that served with him, to be in the place where he was.
1: So it was a pretty powerful, pretty powerful ride. (laughs) Rebecca, as a world-class ultra endurance athlete, what have you learned in all of your outdoor endeavors around the world and how do these learnings apply to highly successful leaders?
2: Yeah, I love that question because there's, you know, people ask me, oh, you've been doing this for so long. You know, why do you keep going out and doing all this crazy stuff? And for me, there's so many lessons that I'm starting to recognize now from decades on the trail, climbing mountains, navigating through forests. I can look back at my career and realize that I thought I was training for these races all along, but now I realize that they're a training ground for not just athletic success, but for success in life and relationships and leadership skills. As humans, we don't get an operating manual. You know, We don't get instructions on how to do it. So we have to figure it out ourselves. And what I've learned and passing on to others is that you take on athletic challenges in the outdoor world. This is the Perfect training ground to practice things like that you talk about in your book things like commitment, resilience, adaptability, failure, teamwork, goal setting, communication. Many of the 12 principles can actually be practiced outdoors on the trail. So when you do get to the boardroom,
1: you've actually got a skill set that you've been practicing all along. Well, that is terrific. What are some of the insights or connects that you've had? And you just mentioned them. What would you say are the top two or three that have helped you excel as an athlete at the level you're at and in leadership?
2: <laughs> that failure is really a prerequisite for success. You cannot avoid it. <laughs> you know, it's it's part of the game. It's actually part of the learning. And the second thing is that is that you're never done learning. That you know, being a lifelong student, a lifelong learner, a lifelong athlete is that there's always something new to learn. You know, we often think we graduate college or we get this big job or get promoted and then we've got it all figured out. And as good leaders and executives know, hopefully you're always learning. You're leading, but you're learning at the same time.
1: Brilliant answer. I love that. What a perspective and way to describe that. Now, Rebecca, your nickname is the Queen of Pain. (laughs) So what does that mean? And what is your relationship to pain? I'm grateful you talked about failure. I'm sure pain is part of it. But could you go into that a little bit more?
2: Yeah, I, and I was given that nickname, the Queen of Pain, really for the super intense, difficult expeditions I do, things like 24-hour mountain bike racing and events that take a week to complete with you know very little sleep, no stopping. I was given that nickname, Queen of Pain, but I think it's misinterpreted a little bit. And I think the word pain kind of gets a bad rap. It's sort of a four-letter word for some people. And we try to avoid it in a lot of times. And in sport, you hear people often say, oh, I'm going into the pain cave as a phrase for doing something really hard. But I have a little bit of a different take on that. Pain, it's not a cave that you go into and like go in the fetal position and hide in the dark and then come out the same entrance that you, that you went in. I actually like to think of pain or doing hard things really as a tunnel. I call it the pain portal. And pain is a tunnel. So doing something super hard, you're tackling, whether it's raising a family or getting a promotion or doing a presentation is hard and difficult. And you enter into a pain tunnel because really there's no way through but through. And when you get to the other side of it, you've navigated your way through that challenge. There's light at the end and you actually exit a different way than you came in and you exit stronger and more resilient And for reference, if any one of the listeners think about something really hard that you've done and you can look back in hindsight, it's 2020 and go, yeah, I'm glad I pushed through. I learned a lot from that. I'm a better, stronger person because I pushed through that hard thing. And so, yeah, queen of pain. It's really about pushing yourself through those pain tunnels, pain portals, because on the other side is a stronger, more resilient you.
1: Rebecca, about a year ago, I had really a terrific podcast guest. He'd played professional basketball for nine years. I loved one of his comments. He he said, discipline leads to confidence, and confidence leads to success. And I've loved that connection of words, really. But for him, at least, and I think maybe for you and many others who have been able to achieve at a high level, They've had to discipline themselves. How have you found the best way to discipline yourself? Or what can you recommend to us and the listeners that can help them discipline to get through those harder times?
2: Honestly, it's small steps. And you're right. Discipline to achieve anything, a college education, whatever. It's it's all in small steps. Daily habits that eventually over years and decades and a lifetime make up who you are. Whether there's someone to say, be the person that your dog thinks you are, or really it's, it's almost like fake it till you make it. And the discipline of simply getting up early or focusing on your sleep and hydration and some simple things that, that we do as athletes, you don't climb a mountain by getting to the summit first. You, you plan and you train and you take one step up over and over again. And so I think often high achievers, we look at something we want to attain that's really big and it seems too big. And so often, you know, simplify and take it back down a level and be like, okay, what will I do today? And that really is kind of an athlete mindset to training and discipline.
1: You are a big proponent of people living an athletic lifestyle and embracing an athletic mindset to achieve high performance. And so how do you do that and take that and apply that in other areas of life?
2: I mean, we already talked about how physical challenges, it's a great training ground for life and leadership skills to go practice failure and getting up again. But there's a bigger picture in the athlete lifestyle that I think is really critical for high performance in any endeavor. People are catching on to this um, and science is catching up, but you simply can't perform at your best in any career if you neglect your physical health and working harder, working more hours. That is not the key to actually being your best. And you talk about that in your book In balance. The brain and the body, they simply won't function better if you stop moving. And we have a bit of a crisis here mental health and physical health crisis in our world of people have stopped moving and they stopped going outside. We're seeing the effects on the brain and body. You just simply function better when you move. And I have a phrase that I like to use that's movement is medicine. It's preventative medicine and it's also emergency medicine. And we're all looking for this magic pill for performance. And honestly, it comes from the body and moving your body. So when you move, you get blood flow, you get circulation of the lymph system, you get improved sleep and concentration, you get mood enhancement, better creativity. There's all sorts of amazing neurochemicals that are released and so for high-performing humans I really try to try to communicate that the body thrives when you live an athletic lifestyle the whole machine just works better when you move and so taking on an athletic lifestyle you don't have to go bike up and down Kilimanjaro but putting movement into your daily life really is the key to unlocking your absolute best performance.
1: Oh I love that uh, answer. I just read an article based on some pretty significant research adding to your list of things that come from movement is reduced inflammation.
2: Yes, yes. (laughs) And that's why I say science is catching up and telling, we all kind of know, okay, I should do more exercise. But science is now really proving that like, you have to do it if you want to perform well.
1: Yeah, that's right. So how have you navigated, Rebecca, your career in sports and in leadership and doing other things how do you bring those all together balance these important areas in your life
2: I will say my career was really circuitous it wasn't planned I didn't have a 10-year or 20-year plan or anything like that and after I rode the Ho Chi Minh trail in 2013 you know I did the biggest most important ride of my life and I came back from that trip actually feeling kind of lost like well what do I do now And so actually, I looked backwards at my history in order to move forward. I was in a pretty dark place. Like, I don't really know what's next. What I did is I looked back at all the pivotal moments in my life where I felt like I was winning or was having a really thriving. And I looked for common themes and looked for things that like, okay, when things were going well, and I felt good these things were happening. And so I look for common themes and I developed what I call now my navigational handrails. My compass bearing is be good, you know, from that ride and the navigational handrails, they're really themes that I've, I already knew, but I hadn't articulated them. And so I'll share those with you. And then I'll give a little maybe homework for people who are maybe looking to develop their own navigational tools for life. And when I looked backwards, I came up with a few navigational tools. And one is risk equals reward. When I'm doing something that's a little scary, it usually pays off for me. Passion equals payoff. I have to love what I'm doing and want to be doing it give equals get. And that's where, you know, it's not just about me. I get more out of it. If I'm bringing other people in, I'm giving back to the world, less equals more. That's about focus, not taking on too many things, saying no to some things. And the final one is movement equals medicine. I have to be moving in order to feel and perform at my best. So those are my navigational tools that I developed again, looking backwards in order to go forward So for people who are wanting to develop their own navigational handrails, you can look back at pivotal moments in your life, look for the themes, and really the answers are already in you. And we often in business, we make our vision statement and all that, but we don't do it for ourselves, our own human operating system. And so that was how I sort of developed my navigational tools. And now when I'm stuck, I'm not sure about something, I go back to those and say, okay, am I checking these these navigational tools that I developed for myself.
1: Okay, oh, that's good. I've just been thinking of something you can help us with, I think, <laughs> Rebecca. For us, mere mortals. that may not be at the ultra performance, high performance like you and maybe some others. What are some recommendations of how we can have this, if you will, athletic mindset and skill set to just maintain good health? Obviously, this is something you've thought a lot about. What, what do you think?
2: And I love that you asked this because oftentimes people get intimidated by me and they're like, well, I can't do what you do, so I'm just not going to do any of it. And it's really, it's really quite simple. So you don't have to ride up and down Kilimanjaro or you don't have to do the Iditarod Trail. You simply start. This is what every athlete does. Three things. You start by prioritizing sleep. You start by prioritizing nutrition and hydration. So that's where you start. Simple. Those three things. The fourth thing that you add is movement. Movement is medicine. And this can be doing a walking meeting. This can be doing 10 push-ups between each Zoom call. This can be joining a local 5K and you know, meeting getting your neighbors to do it with you, having family hiking outings for a picnic instead of going out to dinner, walk out and take a picnic out in nature. Take the stairs instead of the escalator. So there are really simple ways. If you look at your day, where can I put a little movement in? And then also prioritizing sleep, nutrition, and hydration. And that is going to catapult your performance into you'll be living like an athlete, really. And so hopefully that will lead to more, you know, you might take on some bigger adventures, but you really start there. It's that simple.
1: Oh, great. Thanks. I I love your perspective on things. And and that's a great approach. And Doing that alone has a very big impact on our lives, right?
2: Huge, yeah. Sleep, hydration, nutrition, and movement. That's it. Check those boxes every day, and you're going to be performing at your best.
1: Okay. All right. Good. All right. Now, I think we have enough time for you to share with us what's some of the most fun things you've ever done, Rebecca, in your adventures,
2: Fun adventures. well. Some highlight ones. One was biking up and down Mount Kilimanjaro. And I also did that as a fundraising trip. So it's 19,000 feet and change. And so we raised that amount of money for bikes for students in Africa. And that was enough to give some bikes to some kids there after we climbed the mountain. So that was a really exciting adventure. I have ridden the human powered version of the Iditarod Trail, which is the Everyone knows I did ride trails, a dog sled race, but I've ridden that three times on my bike in the snow, self-supported. And so you you put all your stuff on your bike, you know, a sleeping bag, lights and food. And that was, those were pretty amazing expeditions in the winters, very remote, very committing. And then the Ho Chi Minh Trail that we talked about. I mean, riding in Southeast Asia and, and seeing the villages, riding through villages with where no cars go. No running water. People living in huts, and it's just been so, that was a really beautiful exploratory ride. And as we talked about, if anyone anyone can look up the film Blood Road, and it it does show that journey. It's an Emmy Award winning film, but it'll take you on the trail with me. So if you want to go down the Ho Chi Minh Trail with me, you can do that by watching Blood Road.
1: All right, well, you just provided us with a great date, a good mm-hmm. date night right there. Watch there the Blood Trail.
2: Exactly,
1: exactly. Well, we're at the end of our interview. It's gone so fast, been so fun. I know our listeners have picked up some ideas. I have uh, for sure. Any final tip that you could leave with our listeners today, Rebecca?
2: I guess the final tip, you know, we've talked about a lot of things to do, but really just start. Honestly, take that first step of whatever mountain you're going to climb. Take the first step.
1: Okay. How can people find out about you?
2: You can find me um, on my website is Rebecca Rush, R-U-S-C-H dot com and on social media, the same LinkedIn, all those places. So, yeah, I'd love to connect with people and maybe join me on an adventure.
1: Okay, yeah. Well, thank you, Rebecca Rush, for being part of this show today. You're having a huge impact in the world for good. Thank you so much. Thank you, Steve. Be good. We'll do that. We'll work on it. I'm working on that one. And to all of our listeners, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for you working on doing good, being good, and uh, making a difference in your life. This is Steve Schallenberger signing off. Talk to you later.
0: Thank you for listening to the Becoming Your Best podcast. If there was something in this podcast that you felt would be helpful for a family member, a friend, or even a coworker, We invite you to share this podcast with them now while you're thinking about it. Also, remember to subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Now for additional resources and tools, such as how to join our monthly peak performance coaching program, or how to get certified as a trainer or coach or schedule a workshop or keynote, you can visit our website at becomingyourbest.com. We're here to provide you and your team with the resources, tools, and content to achieve your greatest potential. So thank you for listening and have a wonderful day and a great week.